0: It's time for JT the Brick. What's up, JT? Got to get this win. Get this win. Get one win. If anybody in this organization ever talks about losing in that building, they're gone. If I ever go to a game and my team doesn't care and they mail it in, I'm returning my season tickets. I don't care if you lose the game. You're going to lose. But act like you care.
1: JT the Brick.
0: We're trying to help the Raider fans get through these issues that they can't get through. And they just blame me, some of them, because they think, like, I hired the guys. JT's the guy who moved us from Oakland. JT's the guy who brought in Jimmy G. No, I'm not. I'm just a guy on the microphone from noon to 2 every day. And now, be ready. Here's JT the Oh, yeah, JT with you. As we're heading out to the 4th of July, we'll have the rest of this show, show tomorrow. We got a best dub coming up on Monday. Doug's in for me. On Wednesday, and then we're back for the greatest Raiders team of all time. We'll kick that off on July 6th. I want to remind everybody we would really appreciate you being included in this. Come in hot. uh, Get it rolling with us. Let us know what you think. And, hey, man, we're going to have a good time with this. We're going to try to come up on radio only. So this isn't the Raiders, a podcast I'm doing with the Raiders. This is from this show here. It's just a fun little summer filler. We admit that this is filler, right? We're trying to get from the summer to the end of the summer in training camp, but we decided, and Bobby and I sat down over a beverage and said, let's do something we haven't done. We've never done this. This It'll be my 25th year with the team. I know a lot of the guys are going to make this team personally, and I don't know who's going to make the final list here, but uh, not a lot of rules. We're going to keep it loose. We're going to have fun with it and go from there and get your opinion on what's going to happen with this Raiders all-time team. As I always said, sound off like you got a pair. The only way this will work is if we get participation and fans call in on their favorite players at each position. I just can't – I'm not going to sit here and read bios. I'm not going to read a Gene Upshaw bio off of Wikipedia. I want someone to call in and say, hey, J.D., Gene Upshaw at left guard is the greatest left guard of all time. He's on the list. Great. Well, who do you have behind him? Who's the, who's the next best guard? I'm a big fan of Steve Wisniewski. I think Wiz is one of the best players I've ever seen. He should be a Hall of Famer. So when we look at these position groups, we're going to dive into that starting on July 6th. And it's pretty fun making phone calls to people, asking them what they think of this, who I really care about. And I care about all of you because you're all out there. I don't know where you are unless you call me. But the Raiders all-time team is much harder than you think. If you're going to do it right, which we're trying to do, you got to go back to the 60s. You do. And you got to go back to the merger. AFL teams you got to go really far back to Pete Vanizak and Marv Hubbard. And you look at these players here and who you want. Dr. Death, Skip Thomas, Mike Haynes. Some of them are obvious to me, but there are other ones, as we've talked about, Bobby. The history of this team is much deeper than most NFL franchises because of the early success they had when Mr. Davis, who was a coach, and a commissioner took over this team in an ownership and GM capacity, and this team hit the ground running.
1: I'll tell you one thing right now. I'm going to make damn sure nobody forgets about Daryl LaMonica or George
0: Blanda. Yes, you better believe it. We will not forget about the Mad Bomber or George Blanda. All right, and we don't forget about local sports here in town because it's really important to me. Joe Arrigo, kind enough to join us, friend of the show, who knows a lot about everything in town here, especially when it comes to UNLV football and high school football, and we appreciate him joining us on the show. How you been, Joe?
1: I'm great, JT. Thank you for having me, buddy.
0: Appreciate you coming on, man. I hope you're having a great summer. I want to jump right in. First off, give me the positives because you're really honest and you're transparent with UNLV football. You want them to do well. You know the program well. You know the recruiting at a high school, and you know the portal. Where is this team with the new regime and the new head coach?
1: You know, I'm very impressed with what Barry Odom has done in, in short time here Um, is his right now. He has the number one group of five recruiting class in the country. Um, They're number one in the mountain West going into the 24 with the 24 kids, but where they're at right now, they're deeper at every position uh, up front in the backfield on each side of the ball. And there's an emphasis on special teams. So what the environment he's created is more of a family environment. The players have bought in. They, they really enjoy what he's selling to them. And what in the way they're coaching them up, um, and right now I th- the key is going to be Doug Brumfield's help. If Doug can stay healthy, they have a chance to do some damage in the Mount West.
0: Yeah, tell me more about Doug. I'm really pulling for him. I love his game outside the pocket, and I don't know how many other players there are on the depth chart. But quarterback wins games, and at the time when he had the good start, and then they kind of hit a roadblock here. What was his off season like? How are they coaching him up? And what are your expectations with him?
1: Well the off season was to get bigger, to continue to add uh, muscle and mass to his body. He's a legit six foot six and he was two twenty five last year and it looked like he was about a buck eighty. So right now, you know, if you look at it see the pictures, if you see Doug in person, Doug's added some mass, his arms are bigger, he's got he's, he, he looks like he's growing into his body like you would want him to do. Um, a lot of it was just learning the playbook. You know, this is what I'm most excited about. Brennan Marion's offense, the go-go offense, it is a unique offense. I wrote about it uh, last week on Franchise Sports Media and when I interviewed Brennan. And it's like a triple option, but it's based out of the spread. So you could have two running backs, both running backs to one side, not a fullback, but both running backs. And you can run a lot of variations from it. You have three and four wide receivers. The quarterback has the option to keep the ball or he can, you know, he has RPOs where he can choose to pass it. It's perfectly suited for Doug and what Doug's skill set is. And from talking to people in and around the program, players on the offensive side of the ball, they feel it's an easier offense to pick up than what they had uh, the last couple of years when they had a pro style offense with Coach Arroyo. So this offense is going to be fast. It's going to be explosive. And you got guys like Ricky White and Seneca McKee and, And as a freshman, DJ Irving, keep that kid name in the back pocket, JT. He's special. He's got a Mm -hmm. chance to come in and and really do some damage early on.
0: Joe Arrigo joins us, co-founder and VP of Franchise Sports Media. Give it a follow, the Franchise LV. So when I look at Coach Odom and what his strengths are, it was pretty obvious getting to know Coach Arroyo and other coaches before that. He wanted to concentrate, I think, recruiting more locally here in Vegas. And before we get to Gorman and the rankings here for the high school teams, how is that working as his coaching staff, along with him, have flooded Southern Nevada and Northern Nevada, trying to get the best players to stay here at UNLV instead of going somewhere else in the Pac-12 or going to another conference and looking for a better team or a better conference? You
1: know, what Coach Odom did is he said, I drew a circle around 37 schools here locally. And if we want guys here, we're going to do everything we can to get them here. Now, what UNLV is up against is is the NIL situation is not a lot of um, – I mean, there really isn't a lot like other schools that have a big collective. That's something that I know Eric Harper is working on. I know it's something that the coaching staff is, is working on as well. But the the atmosphere now with the local high school coaches and, and the – I guess the and impression is he actually cares about – Local schools. He actually cares about local kids, and they have they have an influx of local guys right now. I believe there's four committed, and uh, they got two from Liberty, um, a kid from Gorman, and um, or is it three from Liberty? Well, it, it, there's four kids, and there's another one. DP's running back is uh, Greg Burrell. He's he's on the clock, and I guess he, he's by Wednesday. He's going to make his announcement, and you know he's in that group as well as UNR. So. He's put a big emphasis on recruiting local, and I know a lot. And I've been speaking to a lot of the kids that are. I mean, I was at the camps the last two weeks. They have prospect camps, and they it was a ton of kids. I mean, last Saturday there was over four hundred kids at this camp, and a lot of them were local. And the night before they had a seven on seven camp and in mm-hmm. um, a big man camp, and there was about I want to say there was seven or eight local high schools that participated in that. Gorman had two teams. Um, and they gotta, you get to see him talk to coaches. You got a chance to see the, the players get out there and get after it, and you know, it's, it shows that there's some talent here locally. Now he's, he's doing his best he can to uh, keep them home.
0: Joe Arrigo is our guest. So what are expectations? I'm not going to hold you to this, but ballpark win-loss because the last coach got let go because of the record. The new coach comes in and clearly has some room to build the program and his liking here. But what are fair expectations for UNLV football coming in, especially what they did in the portal, upgrading recruiting and the program overall supposed to be taking the next step. What do you expect?
1: You know – I I, look, I looked at the schedule, and I was looking at it last night, just trying to take through it. And, you know, I, I see seven wins, JT, okay. honestly, six or seven wins. They, they, they really, Bryant is going to be a blowout. They have Michigan week two. Then they have Vanderbilt. And, you know, they, when Tony Sanchez was here, they went down to, to Vanderbilt and beat them a couple of a years ago. And I think this UNLV team is more talented than that team. Uh, they have u which I think is a winnable game, and then you have Hawaii and UNR rivalry games. I kind of, I kind of favor UNLV in both of those games. So if they start off five and one, and again, Doug's health is key. They got a chance to maybe win the, the to play for the Mountain West Championship. But yeah. Air Force is going to be tough. But health is key. But I see at least six or seven wins barring any significant injuries to key players right
0: yeah, now. That would be great. Joe Arrigo's our guest. So let's get to high school football and Bishop Gorman, the team that I support here, and there's people in the Valley over in Henderson that support Liberty and other teams here. What happened now with the rankings here where Gorman has now skyrocketed to where they used to be when they won the three national championships? What's flipped with Gorman as the competition is getting tougher locally and they always take on a big national schedule?
1: Man, Brent Browner, their head coach. You have to give Coach Browner a ton of credit in, in his staff. They're number two in the country, and I think that may be, that may be underrated. They could, they, I think this is the best forming team since their last national title team. Just on paper, the line is the second biggest line in the city behind the Raiders. And I'm not joking. You have a 6'7 left tackle and a 6'5 right tackle with guys 6'4, six, 6'4 four, six, four and, and, and a half. On the inside part of the line, they're all over 280. Some of them are over 300, and some of them—they're all class of 2025. So they're all going into their junior year, and they have about three or four more guys behind them that same height that are just as good and just as capable to step in and play for any one of those guys. You have the returning Gatorade Player of the Year and Michael Alijado, who you know is the best quarterback in the state, and he's going to Hawaii, and, and that's mm-hmm. a good fit for him. But you also have one of the top. Tight ends in the country, and Elijah Loffin, is committed to Miami, one of the top running backs in the country. With Micah Kaapana. KP is committed to Michigan, and you have you have other guys in skill position lies around. You have a six five receiver named Derek Meadows that didn't even play last year because he, he was hurt, and uh, he could have came earlier. You know, came in later in the year, but he kind of held back a little bit. Now, with Gorman, they got to get through their first four games. Mm-hmm. They start off at Corner in Utah. Then they go up to the University of Oregon and play Long Beach Poly. They come back and play Corona Centennial, who's ranked 15th in the country. And then it's the game of the year. The, they play number five, Miami Central, here at Gorman in week four. And then they follow that up with Liberty because of the new uh, NIA. They, they reshuffled the leagues and stuff, and that's that's been a big mess uh-huh. itself. But they have, So if they get through those first five games. They have a clear path to win another national championship.
0: Joe Arrigo, as we wrap it up. So as I look at USA Today, and I'm looking at their Super 25, when I look at what's coming up here, obviously Modern Day in Santa Ana deserves a number one ranking overall. But I like what you say when you look at the depth of these teams at St. John Bosco, IMG, out in Florida, some of the power teams from Texas here. So, and Liberty, I, and we got to give Liberty credit because I was a Gorman pom pom guy and Liberty smashed him and it, it was, wasn't automatic anymore. Liberty is a hell of a program. But you're saying if Gorman can get through the gauntlet early, which they have to have it early, that's where they schedule at a conference and have to be big, they got a shot at going undefeated. But if they go undefeated, will they get the nod over modern day or will modern day go undefeated as always?
1: I don't think Modern Day goes undefeated. I think they'll lose to Bosco. Okay. They also play St. Francis. And St. Francis has a chance to beat Monterey Day and Bosco. So mm. I don't think Monterey Day and the Trinity League in Southern California is so tough that I i, I mean, I don't even think Bosco goes undefeated. Them and Modern Day are going to just cannibalize each other. That's why I say if Gorman goes undefeated, they have a clear path. And I'll say this what Rich Morocco has built in Liberty, he's got a really talented team too. And he lost a lot of guys, a lot of kids transferred out mm-hmm. and he still has a talented team. This is the thing that bothers me though, JT is the NIAA did a lot of did realignment. Right. And in the five, five, a division one, there are seven teams, which goes against their bylaws, which is supposed to be nine. And those teams play together in the playoffs and play for the five, a title. They don't play any teams in the North. So minogue or mcqueen or reno they don't they won't play gorman liberty or anybody else they'll play at the, the next division down mm-hmm. which will probably be like palo verde and schools like that no disrespect to them but it been, the schools of the north don't want to play the big boys down south and that's the part i think is that could maybe hurt gorman or liberty because you know richard richard got some trigger man he's got a couple of really good quarterbacks and i like his running game too Um, And he's got a stud named James Roberson, a receiver DB. He's probably the best athlete two-way in the city this year. So there's some some dudes that Rich has, but with the realignment, it could actually hurt Gorman, which in the grand scheme of things, it's not a big deal, you know, unless you go to Gorman and you want them to win a national title. Mm -hmm. But Gorman needs to be the big bully on the street in order for Nevada high school football to be relevant because – No one wants to come see small schools play. They want to
0: see what the big boys can do. Yeah, but Joe, Joe, hold on, Joe. Isn't it fair to say, though, on the other side of the perspective here is that Gorman has an unfair advantage in regards to recruiting at a national level here, at a private school here. So there's got to be some way to balance some of the teams up north. I'm just saying I'm a Gorman guy, but a lot of people don't shed a tear for Gorman and the success and the advantage they have at bringing in better players all around the country to the program.
1: Well, the school of McQueen and, and Minot can do the same thing. They're yeah. also private schools. Um, we, Faith Luther could do the same thing. They're also a private school. Right. It comes down to want, and, and if, if you want to, if you're willing to. And, JT, let's not be naive with this, brother. Everybody's recruiting in high school football. Mm-hmm. I give Gorman credit for not taking away all the local kids and recruiting them away. They want to see local high school football thrive here, and they know the best ways for all these teams to be good. If you've got guys from all over the country coming into other schools in our city. So it's not, it's not just Gorman. Gorman just gets on a bigger level, but also the requirements to get in are a lot more stringent, as you know,
0: mm-hmm. than at a
1: local school. Yep. And that's why I think, I think the best possible scenario would be they create an open division. Gorman goes to 6A. Everybody else can stay in 5A. The, and the Gorman plays three teams from the second week to the end of October locally. So they play DP Arborview. And, and Liberty mm-hmm. and all that. They schedule a national schedule, and if the winner of the 5A wants to play Gorman, at the winner uh, is a 6A winner down the road and for a, a, a state title, great. If not, Gorman can play IMG or St. Francis or another private school at on um, the Geico Bowl on ESPN, and that that saves everybody a lot okay. of trouble, a lot of heartache. I don't understand why the NIAA didn't do that, mm-hmm. but you know that I, that's above my pay grade at this
0: point. Joe, great information as always. Tell everybody where they can find you, please.
1: Go on over to the franchise franchise FranchiseLV, FranchiseSportsMedia.com, and we appreciate you having me on JTA. And as always, hope you have a great 4th of July, brother. Thank
0: you, Joe. Take care. Joe Arrigo. Grinding it out. Good information. I don't have that information. I don't dive deep into UNLV football. We have plenty of gentlemen and women in this building who do. That's not my level of expertise, and I pull for them hard. When I see the AD, when I see the SID, everybody there, I'm always pulling for UNLV basketball with Kevin Kruger, now coach Odom, and I'm available to interview them all. But I like to have people that know more than me. And you might know more than me. When it comes to high school football, I'm a Gorman guy because my kids went there. My oldest son played there. He was just a backup old lineman, but won a state championship on a great, great team. And I was there for all their national championship games, sitting there as my son was playing JV and freshman football. And that was the powerhouse. That was unbelievable. Those years where Gorman won the national championship and I was just sitting there as an anonymous dad in the crowd watching with some other dads. That was insane to see what they were able to do. How many great players were there on that team and how they were able to dominate. And as I'm totally transparent, I am, I didn't like the 50-point run-ups. I didn't like, I walked out of a game. I walked out of a game. Not because my son wasn't starting. I walked out of a game at Gorman when I thought they were just giving it a little too much to the opponent. I didn't like it. Got up and walked out. Told the wife, catch catch me. I'm walking across. True story. You'll love this. I went right to P.T.'s, our proud partner. Air check this for P.T.'s because they're Gorman guys too, some of them. Gorman was putting a whooping on a team, and they were up like 48 to nothing or 52 to nothing. And I'm sitting there going – where are the subs? Where are the subs? And I swear on my kids it wasn't about my kids. It was about all of them. Every sub, every backup. I said, this is not me. I'm out. I just got out, and I walked over to PT's, got myself a Modelo, waited for my wife to pick me up. I'm, I, don't, I don't support that on any level, and it's not just a Gorman thing. It's any team in sports, especially basketball. You're up 35. You're up 50 in the second half. Take your damn starters out of the game. And get the bench in there. Oh, well, we're playing for a mythical national championship. We're playing for the – no, no, no. Get the starters out. This is youth sports. I know it's competitive. I know everybody wants to go to college and play and get a scholarship. Let other people in the game. Let the other kids who are practice dummies getting hammered against the starters who are 90 pounds heavier than them and getting beat up in practice, right, holding the pads and blocking pads. Let them in the game. And oh, 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 and now I'm rolling. And there's a running clock. And there's a running clock. The clock just runs, right? So you're sitting there and going, oh, I'm looking around. And some parents got their hands in the air. More, more, more. Not me. I'll I'll be at PT's across the way having myself a Modelo. God. I mean, again, I don't care what program it is. I love the dominance of Gorman. I love it. And as Joe said, it's great to have a bully in a powerhouse school. And congratulations to Liberty. Fred Bolitnikoff Jr. was coaching Coronado. He moved on to Texas. I hope he does well. But whatever the team is in any sport, it could be T-ball all the way up to a powerhouse high school program in any sport. Call the dogs off. You're up big. Everybody gets it. You know, you gotta, some teams have a buffet on the second deck after the win with the rich-endowed parents who are paying for the buffet. Pull back and let the other kids play and don't humiliate the other team. And there's a few teams in this conference that can humiliate everybody. And for UNLV football, they got to prove that they can go on the road and be competitive in some of these games. But everything that I'm hearing is they're doing a really nice job in recruiting in the portal, and we hope the best for them. Thanks to Joe Arrigo. Really appreciate him coming in. Dana Wagner, you know him from News 3, one of the great newsmen that we have here loaded up on our show. He's gonna join us. I think he was doing the weather today. He's anchoring the news. Man, a guy's a rock star here in town. We'll talk to him. Oh, he's a Dodger fan, too. Ooh, he's not happy with the Dodgers and the Dodgers record here. A lot of baseball teams, Bobby. I mean, I really don't even know what your let me double check what your Boston Red Sox are doing right now, but you know, not very well, right? I, I, I look at the. Let me tell you some of the bottom teams in Major League Baseball. These are the teams I wouldn't say have no chance because the league is so screwed up now. We have three wild card teams. Everybody has a bleeping chance. Last place in the American League East, the Boston Red Sox, at forty and forty-one. They're only one game out of five hundred, and they're fourteen games out before the All-Star break. And if they were in the Central, they'd be second place. Yes, great point. Oh, wow, Bobby, that's great. You know who's leading the Central? Mm-hmm. Cleveland, thirty-nine and forty. The Guardians are in first place. Minnesota, forty and forty-two, a half a game out. Detroit, thirty-four and forty-five, five out. Man, Kansas City's terrible, twenty-two and fifty-eight. In the West, uh, Bruce Bochy and the Texas Rangers, forty-nine and thirty-one. They have a six-game lead over the Astros. Six-game lead. Angels are six out. How the hell are the Angels six behind Texas with Otani and Trout? How's that possible? They got lousy pitching. Yeah, they don't have a lot of depth there. Oakland, 21-61. and Wow. 29 games out. My Yankees pitched a perfect game against them last night. I think the biggest story out in all of baseball is Atlanta has a 17-game lead over the Mets. 17-game lead over the Mets. Oh, my God. Cincinnati in first. Pretty much tied with Milwaukee in the loss column. St. Louis in dead last. That's a good baseball organization. 33-46. and 46. And then out west, Arizona in first place by two and a half games over San Francisco. Dodgers three back. The Padres are 11 back. Problem for the Padres, Bobby, and we just had Hacksaw on, they got to leapfrog the Dodgers, which they won't. They won't leapfrog the Dodgers at any point. Then they got to real. they are, oh my God, they're nine games behind San Francisco. Mm -hmm. You know how long it is to pick up nine full games? And then behind the Diamondbacks, again, as I mentioned, 11 games behind the Diamondbacks just to get to the third wild card. Isn't that amazing? It is. Tatis, Soto, Machado, and and they're in fourth place. Yeah, they're in fourth place. I don't have time. And, And Musgrove is a pitcher, mind you. Yeah, I don't have much time to get to it. I'll get to it tomorrow. Uh, Phil Mickelson's doing a victory lap, everybody, with Live Golf. (laughs) Phil Mickelson's doing a victory lap. Promise me we'll get to that tomorrow because I don't like Live. I like the PGA Tour. The Live Golf just laughed at the PGA Tour. And Phil Mickelson, we collect 100 extra million. We're not talking about a million. We're talking about $100 million there. Appreciate everybody who listens to the show. Appreciate you coming on in. Thank you very much. Heading into the 4th of July, I want to thank Grimaldi's Pizza, the best pizza I ever had. Whenever I go to Grimaldi's, I leave. I normally get it to go and bring it home because, once again, it's the best pizza I've ever had.
2: Swing on the ground ball to third. Nice hop for Flores. The throw to first. And the ball game is over. And for the third day in a row,
0: here at home, the Giants beat L.A. The Giants, two. The Dodgers, nothing. The great John Miller on the call. JT back with you as we continue on. Michael E. Minden, my personal diamond jeweler. Make her a Minden gal. Michael E. Minden, have a great 4th of July holiday. How is it possible that the Dodgers are chasing the Giants and the Diamondbacks? One of my favorite newsmen and great friends, Dana Wagner, joins us. Where's your head at with your Dodgers this year? The Yankees are driving oh. me crazy. I can imagine oh, the same God. with your Dodgers.
2: You're such a Yankees fan. You just can't wait <laughs> to just get that little knife in and twist it a little bit. Your guy Garman throws a perfect yes. game last night, the quietest perfect game in the history of Major League <laughs> Baseball last night. Because a tree fell in Oakland and no one heard it. But the Dodgers are killing me. Did you, I mean, the, the pitching right now is god-awful. Did you know they played in L.A. for 66 years? This is the worst ERA they've ever had in Los Angeles, the worst.
0: Yeah, it's surprising to me because I thought Kershaw would be done by now and past his prime, and some of the young guns that they had in the farm system and some of the younger pitchers over the last couple of years would be getting better there. Where do you stand with Dave Roberts? I mean, how much longer? I say this about Buck Showalter with the Mets, Aaron Boone with the Yankees. Uh, Roberts is going to have a competitive team because of the lineup and Mookie Betts and the payroll But what are Dodger fans thinking right now about the manager?
2: Uh, There's a divide. There's a divide. Um, And and I'm I'm on the pro-Dave Roberts side. I don't think any of this is his fault. Um, And I know there's a lot of people that are ready for change in Los Angeles, and I'm not sure why that is. I guess they think that he makes some bad decisions sometimes in playoff games. I don't know. I don't quite see that. I think Dave Roberts is the guy that he's done a great job with what he's been given. But I mean, who knew that Walker Buehler was going to go down needing Tommy John surgery. Mm -hmm. Rias has been out of the lineup for most of the season. Dustin May came back and then he went out again. I mean, those are three starters right there that are out of the lineup. I just don't know how that's Dave Roberts fault at all. And then bullpen has fallen apart this year. This is the worst bullpen I've seen in my lifetime with Mm -hmm. them. They're, they're, near the bottom of the league, I think they're like third worst in all of Major League Baseball, and I don't know how that's his fault either. And then they're bringing up some of these young guys that you talked about from Triple AA, A, and uh, a lot of these guys came – there was a lot of excitement among Dodgers fans that some of these young guys would be able to perform, but sometimes the stage is just too big for them. I mean, we had a guy last night go, Grove, and he was supposed to be the next big thing – His ERA is above seven point five now. He gives up four earned runs last night in five innings pitched. So, even trying to you know go down to the farm hasn't been working for him. So, there's time to get this right, JT. But. Right now, Dodger fans are a little nervous.
0: Yeah, I think if the, Dana Wagner joins us, News 3LV, i look at the Dodgers. They'd be in the wild card barely. They'd be the third wild card team. And, look, I think they're going to catch San Francisco and Miami. And the Padres are a team that could have ran away and hide. If you ask Padre fans, they thought this would be the year of the World Series. You don't have to worry about them. But if you look at the divide between the Dodgers and a team like Atlanta, and the premier teams and the way they're playing, there is a big divide here. So you're probably one of the Dodger fans who think, get to the playoffs. Philly last year was the third wildcard team. They went to the World Series, and the Dodgers should have a second-half surge and be peaking at the right time.
2: Well, that's a great point that you bring up. How good were the Dodgers last year? I mean, historically, one of the best teams ever, I would argue, right? Mm. They went to the playoffs and got beat. So that happens. I mean, the team that gets hot at the right time at the end of the year, in the playoffs, they can make a move. And the other thing the Dodger fans are hoping for is to get a little health. I mean, Julio Rios has been one of our best pitchers over the last three to five years. Let's get that guy back on the bump. Uh, I don't know if the Buehler is going to return this year, but maybe. Dustin May, hopefully we get him back in the starting lineup. Hopefully Gonsolin starts to pitch a little bit better. And, and then Kershaw, you know, he's, been, he's had a great year this year. Let's hope that he can recreate that in the playoffs if they get there.
0: Dana Wagner is our guest. Uh, Dana, let me jump in and, and get into the parade. You were able to anchor it on top of the roof there at the Cromwell with your lovely wife. And when you look down at that parade and you were throwing it back to the studio and the coverage at Toshiba, what was it like for you? You've worked New Year's Eves here, big events, huge events in your entire career in Southern Nevada. Where would you rank that one?
2: Right at the top, I think Um, I moved to the state 32 years ago, and I loved everything about the state of Nevada, but one thing: the lack of major professional sports. And Mm -hmm. I never thought it would come here because of the gambling issue. But once the smoke cleared on that, about you know, 10 years ago, and they started talking about seriously bringing the Golden Knights to town, and eventually that came to fruition in 2017. The day that they, they played their first game in Dallas, I'll never forget it. I was at City National Arena uh, and Mackenzie River having a pizza and a beer with my buddies, and I was in tears. I just couldn't believe that our city, this fine city that I now call home and I'll always call home, uh, had finally you know, arrived. And that's how I looked at it. When I saw that parade down below, and I was, I was up at Dre's nightclub, and I was at the top of the Cromwell looking down at that corner at Flamingo, and the strip, and I could see their buses coming, and they were, they started through the North Valley at the Bellagio, and they're coming around the corner Mm. from T-Mobile, and I mean, it was just, the hairs were standing up on the back of my neck, and again, it was, it was an emotional moment, it was just, it was one of those moments where it just galvanizes our city, you know, and and 200,000 people, and many, many more watching on television, it was just, it was such a great symbiotic moment for all of us, and uh, it was probably the Uh, one of the it'll be one of those moments in our city's history that will go down forever
0: Dana Wagner uh, he's fantastic News 3LV so with this team Bill Foley and I didn't dive that deep into the draft last night and Riley Smith is gone an original misfit they re-signed Barbashev it just seems like Mr. Foley will continue to spend whatever it takes to keep this team on top I get that feeling do you also have that feeling?
2: No doubt, and why wouldn't he? I mean, they're selling out every night, Mm -hmm, so I mean, you know, (laughs) they're making money, and I can't even imagine how much the team has appreciated in value over the last six years, but listen, Bill Foley's not doing this as a moneymaker. He's a great businessman. He knows what he's doing in that arena, but this is not a moneymaker for him. This is a lifelong dream to own a major professional franchise, and I think it's lived up to every expectation that Bill Foley has had for sure, but who doesn't like to win? So. (laughs) I mean, I think Bill Foley's gonna and he's got money. You know, how many how many shrimp cocktails can he eat? So I think he's gonna <laughs> dump a bunch of that money. And he's gonna spend at the cap every year. And I think uh this team is gonna continue to win. I mean, how about that big trade yesterday? That's yeah I know Foley's not involved in that, in the minutiae of that. But I mean, uh I, I know that a lot of Golden Knights fans are upset that Riley Smith is is leaving town and who wouldn't be? He's been a great solid performer. Yeah, but I think it makes a lot of sense, right? You're trading a 32-year-old for a 27-year-old with similar production, and that tells you how much they like Ivan Barbashev. I mean, I I think he's a guy that can produce to the level of Riley Smith, maybe even more, and he's five years younger.
0: Yeah, and I think there's a lot of fans in town that are realizing that. Derek Carr leaves as we transition to the Raiders, and – Riley Smith leaves and Marc-Andre Fleury left. And there's a lot of good players here that it's a business from time to time. Let's jump into the Raiders. We're both season ticket holders. We both sit in the same section. And you have better seats than me. You're closer. You're closer (laughs) to the bench than I am. But what do you think? The 53-man roster, we were both comparing notes. Vinny Bonsignor looked at it. I'm assuming Jimmy G is going to be healthy. And I'm assuming he's going to stay healthy. That's part of my job. But for you, when you look at this team, what do you think on the offensive side? I think they could be super explosive if they have the full team out there.
2: So I don't know. If, I don't know if if I'm the ostrich with my head in the sand. Uh, I hope I'm not. But I optimism runs high in my household. Mm-hmm, good for the entire team, defensive side as well. They're going to be better on that side of the football. But offensively, I. I I operate under the same premise that you do, that Jimmy G will be healthy, okay? And that's a big if. Well, let's say he is. And, I, and, I, and, and they wanted that guy, right, because they worked with him in New England. So they know what they're getting in Jimmy G. I think the backfield's loaded uh, with or without Josh Jacobs, but I think Jacobs will be in the fold. I mean, mm-hmm. who says goodbye to $10 million? Nobody. And there, I, I think that wide receiver room is, is one of the deepest in the league. And they obviously like their offensive line, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because they haven't made big changes there. And the offensive line made big improvements during the year. I think they were one of the worst in the league to start last year. The offensive line has made big improvements. I really want to see this mayor kid out of Notre Dame. I, I think he could be the starting tight end for this club, too. So major optimism for me, especially in offense.
0: Dana Wagner, as we wrap it up, and you covered a lot of athletes out here in Vegas. Where do you put Max Crosby when you see what he's doing in the community, his sobriety story when he got sober and now his elevated his life, let alone his football career, and how he's giving back? As the defensive face of the franchise, this franchise has had many legendary players. Howie Long, you go back to the great Ken Stable, or wherever it is, I think that this kid, Max Crosby, fits right next to the legends who have played for the Raiders in the past.
2: Oh, there's no doubt in my mind that that is the case for sure. Did they know what they were getting? What was it, a fourth round pick? Yeah, a fourth round pick, absolutely. A kid out of a directional school in Michigan?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they didn't know
2: what they were getting with this kid, and he comes in with his high motor. First one at the facility, last one to leave. He's working out constantly, watching film. I mean, I, he's a great example to all of us, what hard work can achieve. I mean, he was not highly touted coming out of college. In fact, I don't think people here in Southern Nevada even knew his name. I'd never heard of Max Crosby before, and I'm a sports fan. He comes in here, okay, well, let's see what we got with this kid. It just shows you there's diamonds in the rough. And, I mean, those stories have been told time and time again. But what separates those guys, I think, from everybody else, is, is their work ethic. And I think he just – and and if he puts his mind to something, he's going to get it done, and that's what he's done with his sobriety too. And now he's a new husband, a new father, and he takes that into the facility. But what I think he does is he, he motivates everybody on that defensive side of the football. When they see their leader of the defense putting in the work I, – I like it until like Jerry Rice. He was also yeah. the last guy at the practice field. I, I went to a 49ers practice one time years ago. And Jerry Rice, he was the only guy on the football field at one point working out. I think his teammates see that, and they're saying, you want to be like Jerry Rice? You've got to put in the work. And I think they're seeing that with Max Crosby. And that message trickles down to everybody on that defense. What I'm excited about the defense this year, I think we got some depth. Absolutely. I think we're gonna see, right? And that's what excites me is competition is a good thing, especially for a professional sports franchise. And A lot of these guys are worried about keeping their job. Good. I'm glad they're worried. That means you've got to step it up. And I think that's exactly what we're going to see from this team. We're going to see this team step it up this year.
0: Dana Wagner, last one. The reason I had you on today, not the Dodgers, not the Raiders, maybe 53-man roster, the weather. I am fascinated by this streak. Everyone in town, well, it's the most days without 100 degrees. I think we're supposed to get it today by 4 or 5 o'clock, if not what is going on here? Is this because of the June gloom, May gray in L.A. and San Diego, and it's pushing this way, keeping temperatures down? I'm loving nope. it. I like 114. I like 110. But what's going on?
2: It's it, it been almost 10 months 10. since we've had a high temperature officially at Harry Reid International of 100 degrees or more. September the 8th, <sighs> was the last time we hit triple digits, never happened in the history of Las Vegas since weather records have been kept since 1937. This streak has never happened in our city's history, and the latest we've ever hit 100 degrees for the first time in a year is June 30th. That's tomorrow, so if we don't hit it today, it's going to be close. It's either today we will either top out at 99 or 100, <laughs> but if we don't hit it today, we definitely will tomorrow. It's going to be 104 tomorrow and 111 by Sunday. So this is normally we ease into this thing. We're not easing into anything this year. In fact, I think people are just going to be downright miserable this weekend if they're outdoors. Covered parking and air conditioning, those are the two keys to Vegas, (laughs) baby.
0: We will have a cocktail on the patio of Grape Street soon. Best to your lovely wife and family. I'll talk to you, my friend.
2: Yep. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it, JT. Great job. I listen every afternoon.
0: Thank you. Uh, Dana Wagner, fantastic friend, really good guy, and he knows sports. I'm telling you, this guy could do this job blindfolded. Blindfolded, he could do this job on any channel in town. He's a really good newsman, but he's fantastic also with sports. Really appreciate his time today. Mitch in New Jersey. Go ahead, Mitch. What do you got on your mind? Go. JT, thanks for taking my call. Mm-hmm.
1: I'd say the ch- Chargers, they're going to be neck and neck with the Raiders. They, they both have good offenses. Mm-hmm. It's just the difference in quarterbacks. My two guys for your all time team, you got to have Marcus Allen and Bo Jackson, who I might have been. And can they retire a few numbers? I'm not saying we're the New York Yankees, but retire a few numbers. I'm thinking 32 and 34.
0: Thank you for the call, Mitch. Bo Jackson will not make the Raiders all-time team. Probably not. Bo Jackson will not make the Raiders all-time team. Because if you don't know who Pete Bannazek is and Clem Daniels, okay, and a guy by the name of Mark Van Egan, if you don't know who those guys are, then listen to the show. I am taking this very seriously, the Raiders' all-time team. I'm I'm putting my name on it. I'm putting my name on it. So we got to get this right. And there's a little pressure trying to figure out, man. You can't forget the old-timers, the 11 angry men. You can't forget that last team that went to the Super Bowl, Gannon's-led team. Who gets in there? Man, Barrett Robbins was great. He didn't play in the Super Bowl. He went AWOL. If he would have played in the Super Bowl, I will say this as the pre- and post-game host, in the press box on Super Bowl Sunday, I think the Raiders win the game if Barrett Robbins plays. I forgive him as a human being. He was going through mental trauma at the time. But you look at that team with Lincoln Kennedy, Mo Con- that offensive line. Lincoln Kennedy. Where's Lincoln Kennedy going to be on my all-time team? Our all-time team. Careful there. Link- Eric Allen. And that's what I – Eric Allen's – the best part of Eric Allen's career – 54 total interceptions. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. 54. He's one of the greatest cornerbacks to ever play, but he didn't play long for the Raiders. He didn't play long for the Raiders. So that's what I've been having the most trouble with, is trying to figure out who can make the team. You know, one of my friends, Chris, made a good point. He said, well, how about an all-time Raider team of guys who didn't play here long? And I said, that's not going to work on the radio. I can't do that. But you know who would be on that team? The starting tackles would be Richard Seymour and Warren Sapp. That Those would be the starting tackles. You know who the wide receiver would be? Jerry Rice. You look at the, the players, the starting safety, Rod Woodson, who, wink, wink, might make my Raiders all-time team. And Rod did enough for me in the silver and black. So we're going to have to go through it. We're going to have to get your opinion, not just mine. I'm not a podcast. Two people called today, Cisco and Mitch. If I had a backyard barbecue, my wife would have said, shut it down. We got all this food. No one's here to eat. So we're going to wake you up in July. We're going to wake you up and get you going again. This is not a seasonal sports talk station. It's becoming that because we talk a lot of Raiders, but we're going to get into the NBA baseball. Dana talked about the Dodgers because we're sports talk first with a majority of Raiders. And this is the quiet time in the Raider Nation. So have at it. We're going to come in with the all-time Raider team starting in a week, and I'm excited to go through it. Not going to be on a tightrope. It's not going to be like me doing six hours a day without a co-host. We're going to have some fun, some imaging, some highlights, some sound. It's going to be fun, and we'll figure out what you think are some of the greatest players to ever play for this franchise. In regards to retired numbers, Hall of Fame and all that, we leave that to Mr. Mark Davis. He'll figure it out in his time frame, and I'm sure he'll get it right.
2: Destiuri Ruiz as the pitch is swung on and on one off to Donaldson Donaldson to first he has done it Domingo Herman has won the 24th perfect game in Major League history and he is being mobbed by his teammates incredible a perfect game for Herman from the first pitch of the ball game Domingo Herman showed
1: you things were working well Fastball, curveball, changeup, everything was on its best behavior tonight for Domingo Hermann.
2: We have seen history tonight. We sure have. 20, 27 up, 27 down for the Yankee right into the fourth perfect game in Yankees history. And the first perfect game in Major League Baseball nearly 11 years.
0: That was the Oakland A's call, not the Yankees call. I thought that was pretty classy last night as the Yankees, Domingo Herman threw a perfect game in Oakland. What was interesting is it's incredible. It's a podcast topic. I pay for the MLB package, and I couldn't watch the Yankees call. It's blacked out, blacked out in Vegas, and I had to get the Oakland game. So I had to watch it on the Oakland feed. I was losing my mind. I'm like, I'm a Yankee fan. I pay to get the Yankee games on TV. And because we live in this no man's land, Bermuda Triangle, with the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Oakland A's, the Angels, the Dodgers, the Padres, I get Diamondbacks mostly, I get screwed and I can't watch my team that I paid for. So Oakland did a nice job. What Oakland was doing, which was weird last night, is starting in the seventh inning, they were showing highlights of Yankee perfect games. And I'm like, why is Oakland playing this? They want to break up the perfect game. And they're playing, They're coming out of commercials with David Wells throwing a perfect game and David Cohn. Very interesting from the broadcast side there. Very interesting. Hey, tomorrow I'm going to talk a little bit about the Golden Knights. I'm going to get into what Kelly McCrimmon's doing and how they're trying to upgrade this team, continue to win the Riley Smith trade. I also want to talk about Live Golf and the PGA and what's going on there. A lot happening Oh, tomorrow is going to be emotional for me because my friend M.J. Maynard's coming in and Tom Wagner. Uh, M.J. is a widow to our late husband who took his life. And he was a good friend of mine, Schmitty, motorcycle cop, retired, ended up taking his life afterwards. They started a foundation in his name. And I'm 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 going to hopefully be a big part of it. But they're going to come in studio and we're going to talk about it. And hopefully it's going to save some lives eventually. Maybe it'll save the life of someone listening tomorrow who's going through a really difficult time in retirement from the military if you're a police officer or emergency worker. Uh, they're giving me some time tomorrow to come in studio, and that's a really big deal. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be tough on all of us, but we have to have this conversation. And then part of my podcast with Looney, which I'm going to do tonight. We're going to do a podcast, then I'm going to jump in, and I'm going to play a portion of that because it's summer radio, baby. And i got a podcast, and we're trying to get the numbers up. We'll have a little bit of that. And then we'll head off to the 4th of July. And I hope everybody has a great holiday, especially if you're trying to fly. Good luck with that. Airlines are a mess, man. Might be better to drive than fly. But I digress. Have a great rest of the day. Q's on deck. He's got a big show as always.